when my boys were born, it made me, it made me think about the, this world that we're born into, this world of chaos. When I remember when, when both of our boys were born, you know, they go from this perfect environment and everything's great and wonderful. And I'm sure, I mean, I obviously have no recollection of it, but I'm sure it's warm and perfect and awesome. And then they hit this world and it's cold and they yell and they scream. And then the nurses took my two boys each and they scrub them like a potato. They just start scrubbing them down and they're doing all this stuff to them. And you're like, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, that's like a baby, you know, and they do this like a thousand times a day. It's no big deal. You know, it's a big deal. Then they, they, they shove them in your arms, and they said, okay, you should walk them down to this place. I'm like, I'm not walking this thing anywhere, right? You're carrying this thing. I remember getting on I-65, and, and when our, our first one, Cole, when he was born, I, got a, I rounded that big curve on 65, you know, and I hit right around Concord Road, and I was going like 30 with the flashers on. Uh, and I actually was going about 50 with the flashers on. I was like, nobody get near me. And it was, I was panicked on the inside because once you're born, you're born in into this world of chaos, you know? It's like once it starts, you can't stop it, you know? And, and you know how that is, is you're born into this world that things happen. There are a lot of good things happen, and a lot of things you can't control happen. And, and I think when we think about Jesus being born into the world, what we do is, I mean, I, I love Christmas, man. I start making my Spotify list, you know, a, a month or so out and start putting all my stuff in there. And I love listening to the songs. And in and, and Franklin, man, you get all these lights and you get all this cool stuff. And, and Christmas is, is, it is really great. You've got your traditions. At my house, there's food. It's the same. We've actually been eating the same meal for right about 50 years. And it's awesome. You, you have to have the same foods, right? Because it wouldn't be Christmas without it. And so there's just all, we all have our traditions and the certain things we do. And, and, and it's great and it's wonderful. The lights are great and the, the trees are great. And, and it's, it's truly a magic time. You know, I, I watched my sons open some gifts today and I thought, gosh, they're not a little anymore. This is awful, you know. And, and yet it's great at the same time. It's, there's all these things that you love. But I, I think we can, we can get lost in, in the reality that there was a reason we had to have a Christmas. There was a reason we had to have a son born to us, a child given. Because the world was chaotic. The Bible says at just the right time, Jesus stepped into humanity. Humanity needed a Savior. And it's easy at Christmas, as wonderful as it is, we can, we can lose the fact that Christmas was actually eternally necessary was necessary for us to, to, to have reconciliation with God. And, and, and as, as time goes on, you see this world of chaos that we step into, that we're all born into. You see what's happening slowly. You ever get this feeling? I don't know if y'all ever feel this way. You ever get this feeling like society's going somewhere? Like you're kind of on a train, but you can't stop it? It's not like it's all bad, but it's out of control. It's not, not all bad ways, but it's, it's bigger than you. Like it's moving somewhere. Even the Apostle Paul said, he said this in 2 Timothy. He said, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. And, and so it's that love of selfishness, the love of self that drives us to a need to have a Savior because sin entered the world. And, and that selfish nature inside of us made us have to have 
reconciliation with God. And so the last several days we've been going through this thing called Christmas in his name and looking at the names of Jesus. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, I want to read it with you. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can just listen to me. But here's what Isaiah is prophesying. He's prophesying over who Jesus is and what his characteristics will be. And he's talking about the people of God. And he says, there will be no more gloom, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, in her for who was in anguish. For in earlier times he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he will make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And then he starts prophesying about Jesus. He says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, will shine. the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation and you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Talking about Jesus, he said, you shall break the yoke of their burden. Isaiah's prophesying of this Jesus that is to come. He says, the rod of the oppressor you will break as, the, as at the battle of Midian. For, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle struggle and cloak rolled in blood will be fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah tells us that, that we will call his name Prince of Peace. It's one of the names given about the qualities of Jesus. Because what we see, it's not that we have such a bad human condition, it's we have a fallen human condition. And that fallen human condition demands that we need a Savior. That's, that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that Christmas really is a reflection on our condition. And we can't lose that in amongst all the glory and amongst all the celebration. We celebrate the fact that God sent us a Savior. I got thinking about this. For the last month and a half or so, I've been kind of camping out in Isaiah chapter 9. And, and the other day, I found myself just, I don't know why, but I found myself writing out these names. And, and I kind of put them around me and around you. It's pretty interesting when you think about all that Jesus is and all he did for me and for you. We have a wonderful counselor, meaning if, if, you, if you remember, we talked a little bit about how as a wonderful counselor, he's all-knowing. There's never a time that he isn't in full control of knowledge. Aren't, aren't you glad that God never says, oops, right? Like, oh, didn't see that coming. Aren't you glad we, we, we serve a God who's all-knowing? Like there's nothing that you encounter that he is unaware of or unengaged in. We talked about him being the mighty God, that he is fully competent, cosmically competent to overcome the power of sin. That we talked last week about him being an eternal father. He's an engaged father. There's, there's no unfathering in Jesus. He's, he's fully engaged as a father. And he's also the prince of peace. And so when you think about those four bookends, it's pretty impressive 
to think about who Jesus is and, who he, and what he's done for us. So I, Isaiah's teaching us. I want you to kind of lock that in your brain. Because what you can see by that, that little image there is that he's got it covered. There's no condition that you're going to face that he doesn't have it covered. Your current condition isn't your forever condition. Aren't you glad? Your current condition is not your forever condition. And so he talks about him being the prince of peace and the government will set on his shoulders. Now, government's a big deal, especially in Williamson County, right? Government matters here. People move here for the, for the governments. And it's great. I mean, we, we live in a great county for all those reasons. Our government matters to us. Government, as you get older, government will matter more to you over time. Who's running the country? It all matters. And he says, Isaiah says that on the, the government will rest on his shoulders. This prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. And, and so that prince of peace, will, it will rest on his shoulders. So who is this kind of government? And when you think about the kind of government, look in verse 6 if you have a Bible. He says, for a child will be born to us, a son given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. We will call his name, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government. So what is this government he's talking about, this Prince of Peace? Well, first of all, it's a government that has a king, which is different for Americans. We're not used to that. We will have a king one day, and that king is all-knowing, he's all-sovereign, he's got it all under control, both now and forevermore. Can you imagine a day, you guys, can you imagine a day that there's going to be no such thing as political agendas? It's hard to fathom, isn't it? I mean, when you look at our divided world, when you look at, at, at our world that's split all the time, I mean, you don't even really know who to believe anymore. I don't know if you ever feel that way. I don't even know who to believe. And I, I'm not saying everybody's lying, but it just feels like it sometimes. Or that they've got agendas, and, 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 and you don't know, if it, can I believe this senator, or can I believe this congressman? You know, what, what about this representative, or what about that representative? Are they, are they, are they just skewed? It, I mean, you, you really never know where things are going. There's so much competing information. I don't know if you ever feel that way, but I do sometimes. Can you imagine a day that we're going to have where there will be a king there will be no political agendas. There will be no political division. And the kingdom that he is concerned about and the kingdom that he establishes will be about his people. He will rule it. Isaiah tells us a lot about the government resting on his shoulders. And it says he will bring peace to it. It means there will be order. Imagine a world of order. Like complete order perfect order for those of you that are compliance driven like this is beyond bliss for you right you just can't even fathom it the checklists are per you don't even in heaven you're not even going to need a checklist right it's going to have order everything's going to have order you know why it's going to have order because it's not going to have any enemies and I don't want you to think about that when I first read Isaiah 9, and I really began to break this down weeks ago, there was a, a verse that really jumped out at me, and I kind of sat on it till today. 
because I had to really dig into it a little bit. It says, for, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle struggle, the battle tumult, every, every boot of the booted warrior and the, and, and the cloaks that are rolled in blood, your jackets, your, they're stained in blood, they will be for burning fuel for the fire. You see, his government will have no enemies. And so let me tell you why that verse matters so much to you, even though you may not realize it. It matters so much because here's the deal, okay? If you're taking the boots off of your enemies and you're taking the the coats off of your enemies and using them for kindling, for those of you not from the South, you drop the G, it's a thing, it's like like it makes a fire go, right? Some of y'all go to, you know, Kroger and you go to Home Depot and buy these starter logs because you're rank amateurs, okay? Rank amateurs. You got to know how to start a fire. Right, and when you don't know what, to, then, then or, or you can't go the easy way, which is way smarter, and get a gas thing going into your fire pit and just you know light it up and all that. But not me. I, if, if it takes me eighty-four minutes, I'm starting that thing, right? But but if if you're using the boots and the clothes of your enemies for kindling, it means the enemies are gone. They don't exist anymore. Think, think about a world where there is no such thing as an enemy to anybody. There's no enemy for anybody. There's no enemy for any agenda. There's no enemy that you're always having to be afraid of. There's no personal enemy. There's no political enemy. There's no corporate competitor enemy. There's no sports enemy. There's no, there's no competition on any level, anywhere, for any reason. Why? Because this king has put peace under all of it. He's literally taking what's left over from the battle and he's just using it as kindling. When you think about this government that will rest on his shoulders, it will have a king. It will have no enemies. But the, the other thing it will have is it will have no expiration date. Because if you look at what Isaiah says... He says, there will be no end, in verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government to establish it. It'll be both from then on and forevermore. Right now, we're all the ones ushering in the kingdom. We're all the, run, the ones ushering in this kingdom of God. But there will, be, there will come a day when the kingdom of God will not just be among us intangibly. We will actually walk among the people of God. All the Christians before and all the Christians today and all the Christians that will ever be. We will all be together in an f- actual, tangible, touch-felt kingdom of God where we will all have one ruler and it'll have no expiration date at all. That's what it means to have a prince of peace. He he has subdued the enemy and he's he's brought it all under one name forever. I love what Revelation 21 tells us. In the end of the Bible, it tells us this. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among them. This is after the judgments and all the seals and the trumpets and all the judgments that have come down. And and this is after Armageddon and all those things. At the end of time, behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people and he will dwell among them. Read that slowly. Think about that. Don't read that fast. He will dwell among them. And they will be his people. That's you and me. And God himself will be among them. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no longer any mourning or crying 
or pain, the first things have passed away. Think about how much life is wrapped up. There'll be no reason to cry because there'll be no reason for tears. There'll be no reason for tears because there, there will not be any death. And death causes mourning. There's no reason for crying over pain, right? And that's not just internal soul pain. That's just pain, physical pain of any kind. A broken bone, arthritis, cancer, migraines, sinus infections. There'll be nothing left to heal. Nothing left to heal. Nothing to grieve over. It it is truly a kingdom of peace that he will establish. And it says... The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It tells us that our current condition is not your forever condition. I don't know what you're going through on Christmas. It could be great for you this year. Maybe not. I don't know what life has brought your way in the last few months or even in the last few days. But I can promise you what Isaiah's prophecy tells us is that your current condition is not your forever condition. And so you hang on. Because there's coming a day when the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And that verse will not have to even be read because we'll live it. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook, or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform. But I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, Something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them. Man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.